Hey, everybody. Welcome to Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Robin Wright about her feature film directorial debut, Land, a movie about a woman who moves to a secluded cabin after suffering a horrible tragedy. Wright also stars in the film, but tells me that wasn't the original plan. Find out why she ended up in front of the camera as well as behind it. Then later, Wright's co-star, Damien Bashir. The Oscar-nominated actor reveals that making land helped him heal after suffering a personal hardship. Plus, he teases his work in the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong. So stick around. I'll have Robin Wright coming up after this short break. Welcome back to Just for Variety. Robin Wright makes her feature film directorial debut with Land. She also stars in the film as a woman who tries to escape everyday life by moving to a remote cabin on the side of a mountain after suffering a horrible loss. Shortly after her move, she's befriended by a stranger named Miguel, played by Damien Bashir. I talked to Wright via Zoom. How are you? I'm all right, how are you? I'm good, how's it going? Um, publicizing your feature film debut via Zoom. How has that been? It's, it's going. <laughs> Have you been doing this all day, every day, too? I've been doing this since March. And <laughs> I love seeing you. I love seeing everyone. Wow. But it's just, that's all I do is Zoom. It's, it's so different, isn't it? All I keep thinking is I wish I would have invested in Zoom back in the day. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Did you, did you actually have to do uh, post work on the film via Zoom or were we you? We did. We did all of it remotely. Yeah. Whoa. What was that like? Different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you're like, you're trying to watch a cut of the film or you're trying to listen to a quick time of the composer's music and then internet just goes prank. Oh. But... You know, we're all experiencing these technical <laughs> difficulties right now. And you, you, you make your feature film debut with a film about a woman who completely disconnects. Like, she probably wouldn't even know if there was a pandemic going on. Exactly. So tell me, how did this script come to you? It's, it's really a gorgeous film. It's really beautiful. You did such an oh, amazing job. Thank you so much. Um, I just felt it was so poignant when I first read it almost now three years ago because we were all experiencing in different ways the amount of tragedy that was going on around the mm -hmm. world and the random shootings that were occurring almost bi-weekly and, and then all the mean and encouragement to be mean over the last four years, the Twitter of it all, the... And this movie just was so beautiful about human kindness. And yes, you're going on a journey with a woman who has experienced an unfathomable event in her life that has changed her life forever. And she decides to go off the grid. And it's about being saved by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then finding a renewed sense of, of hope in, in a new life. And I just felt like that message really needed to be re-reminded of. Mm. 
why this your feature film debut? I imagine other scripts came your way or other films that you've thought about. Why was this the one? For that very reason. Mm -hmm. I just thought the world needs more messages of kindness and that, you know, newfound faith that we're going to be okay, we're going to get through this. And you generally get through difficult times with the kindness and the compassion of another human being. Mm. And that's who Miguel is in this story. And I just, I love that one line. It's what made me want to do it when she says, why are you helping me? And he says, because you were in my path. And I think that's the beauty of humanity is we do need each other and we do help each other. And you don't have to know one another to care for someone, mm. help someone out of their adversity. It's true. My my husband and I were watching it, and when he said that line, we both sort of looked at each other and were like, "That's what it's about. It's about yeah giving back and not doing it out of ego or doing it out of wanting a claim for it. It's just why is it so hard for us to appreciate one human being <laughs> helping another human being?" And it happens so frequently. Mm. And every time we read about a story like that, you know, where a stranger helps someone on the street, like I've been following on Instagram, this um, good news movement, because mm -hmm. it just makes you feel so good. I'm crying every day when people are so beautiful <laughs> when they're beautiful. Mm. And I just, I think it's a really important, empowering, message mm. in this film. So take me back to obviously you've directed before, but this is your film the night before you're going to sh first day of production. One, did you sleep? Two, <laughs> what were you feeling like? <laughs> you never sleep the night before. You <laughs> never sleep. Um, you know, it's 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 always it's, it's those jittery beginnings where you think, okay, Am I going to be able to accomplish everything that I have envisioned in my head for, you know, two and a half years talking about this movie and having had an incredible amount of prep discussion? What do we want it to look like? What do we want? It's a three act play, basically. This is, you know, going through grief, being rescued, and then a resurrection almost into a new person. Mm -hmm. and. I just think I was hoping that people would walk away with this idea of, I prefer that message versus the dark, ugly, mean message. And I just wanted to make sure that I could convey that. So I was, I was very worried that I wasn't going to be able to convey that mm. deeply enough. That was my fear. Was it a hard movie to sell because it is about people helping each other and not explosions, not something that just takes on, I mean, it's based on tragedy, but you don't see the tragedy, you, you, you feel it. Was it a hard sell to say, hey, this is a movie about a man helping a woman he doesn't know? You know, I wonder if that's why it was difficult in the beginning. Um, we couldn't really figure it out because we would pitch it and we would share with them how 
empowering and enlightened the end is and how optimistic the end is. And um, maybe it was because it was a woman, just a woman's story. Mm -hmm. um, and people weren't in the market for that at the time. And then Focus Features was our last meeting when we were in Cannes. Uh, doing our sales pitch, you know, one after the other. And they sat down and they just said, we completely resonate with the, the story and the message of this film. And we'd love to get behind you and be your distributor. And we were like, yes, they get it. <laughs> What's it like going on those those sales meetings, those pitch meetings? Is it completely nerve -wracking? You're basically, I mean, it's like what we're doing now. You know, you say the same thing over and over and over again. It's It's like selling a used car. <laughs> you just keep on, keep on talking about it. And then you have Damien Bashir, who's one of my absolute favorites. My husband's Mexican. One of the first times I took my husband to an event was um, to the DVD release of, and right now I'm forgetting the movie. What is the movie that he was nominated for an Oscar? A Better Life. Thank you. I took my husband to like the DVD release party and introduced him to Damien Bashir. And I didn't know how big he was in Mexico, but huge. I said, call the family, call my mother-in-law right now. Tell her I just introduced you to Damien Bashir. <laughs> He's so He's, He is such a special soul. Mm. And you see that in his work, of course. Um, and then I, after I saw that, I saw him in Hateful Eight and how mm -hmm. funny he was. Mm -hmm. And Miguel, this character, we had added some comedy for him mm. and i thought what perfect casting and i didn't know if i would get him and he walked into my house for the first meeting and he said i have to do your movie i need to do it and i said mm. well good because i need you <laughs> and we, we it was like we had known each other our whole lives that chemistry you see on screen that bond of just pals is exactly what it felt like the minute he walked in my house and I love the fact that the story did not turn romantic. Right? That it didn't, because listen, I'm first watching, I'm like, are they gonna, are they not? Are they? And then I was like, I'm so happy it didn't go there. Because I could see so many studios saying, well, you know, at some point. <laughs> was that a very, very conscious make, you know, it d doesn't turn into sort of a trope of a, Woman needs help. The man comes and saves her and they fall in love. It was in the original script that I read almost three years ago. That's what I loved mm. about it, mm. that they form this beautiful platonic bond and they give each other a gift mm. of redemption. Mm. How hard was it? And I'll preface all of my interviews with there are some spoilers um how hard was it to do to do that scene when he is on his deathbed that was just oof. it really it was real i have to say that was the last scene that we shot on our movie schedule so the end of the movie we got to shoot our last day wow and so it was very emotional anyway and melancholic because we were saying goodbye to everyone and saying goodbye to Miguel in that way. I think it was just all very compounded by, wow, we have been on this mountain, all of us together for a month. 
and it was a beast to shoot the movie and everyone did such an incredible job so hard working and you know the floodgates just open when you're like oh my god we're done <laughs> um so it kind of came naturally for both of us i think we were gonna miss each other i told her i was gonna miss my mountain friend <laughs> you said um the movie was a beast let's talk about some of the beasts in the movie bears <laughs> uh squirrels how Those much squirrels are such beasts <laughs> Listen, I'm a city boy. I don't like squirrels. <laughs> well, let um, me tell you, Bobby Bukowski, our DP, chose to sleep in Edie's cabin most of the shoot so that he could grasp and capture everything and anything nature brought him. He would just pick up that camera and shoot. Wow. And um, he would say things the next day like, well, me and my friend, you know, we got this beautiful sunrise shot this morning, gorgeous peaks. And I kept saying to our producer, who's the friend? <laughs> I don't remember seeing a friend. Was a friend here last night? The friend was his squirrel friend that got into the cabin and was his bed partner. <laughs> that no. was his mountain friend. Yep. We were living the movie we shot for sure. Nope. Don't want a squirrel friend anywhere near my bed. Never. Wow. What was it like being Squirrel up? <laughs> what was it like being up on that mountain? Because you're not only again, you're I imagine it wasn't very conducive to like, if you lost electricity, where do you get like, how close were you to civilization? We were very far away from civilization. Um, meaning if you, you know, if your generator broke down, right. that was not good. <laughs> um, we were uh, 8,000 feet up and dealing with the wicked and unpredictable weather patterns that Alberta, mm. Canada delivers. Um, it, it was definitely challenging, but so worth it because it's so authentic. It's like what you see, we were there. So when you open that cabin door, there was the snow and the sleet and the rain and the animals. And, you know, it was um, it was very therapeutic, a eh? and help you get into the part so easily mm. being immersed and communing with nature and and staying there, like sleeping in our trailers at night and being able to wake up to the quiet and the birds and then hearing the wind blow in the aspen trees instead of waking up in the city and hearing honking horns and <laughs> reversing trucks, beep, 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 you know, we were in nature. So it, I get helped everybody. It helped all the departments really make an authentic film of what it is like to live in the wilderness. You said it was therapeutic in what way? Tell me about that. I just think you didn't have very good cell coverage up there. So there wasn't a lot of emailing capability um or phone calls and i loved disconnecting from those devices and i didn't really have a choice <laughs> and it's very liberating because you do get to sit with yourself and slow your mind down a little bit because we're just always going always thinking right spinning 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 and yeah. that is the therapy of it. It just makes you more meditative and you start looking at things more instead of looking and typing at things more. Mm. 
So what kind of director are you? Are there directors that you would do something and be like, you know what, I learned that from this director that time I was on this film or you know, I was doing House of Cards, I got it from that director. What kind of director are you? Um, I don't know yet, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to do get a couple more under the belt to really know, like on House of Cards, that was very different because we had a style we had to adhere to. Right. And this one, I had more freedom to move the camera, use handheld, um, use different lenses, really get in there, get inside the character's space, really feel like you're you're on a journey with this character. Mm. Um, and I, I got a lot from Anthony Mangella, I have to say. Mm, he was a such good. a beautiful storyteller and he would literally tell stories mm. instead of giving you an adjective as a direction. He wouldn't just mm. give you a one word. And I loved the way he allowed the actor to translate that story into the exact tempo that he wanted out of that take. Mm. And to watch the evolution of an actor do something like that from, from a story was just fascinating. And I wanted to steal that technique. Mm. Was, there a part, was there a part of you that said, you know what, for this, maybe I shouldn't star in the movie. Like, let's take one thing at a time. Why producer, director, star? Why do it all? Well, it was never the intention for me to be in it. Mm. Um, we just, we had a time crunch. You know, we got financed and we had this really slim window in which we had to get it cast and get up on that mountain and start prepping. Because um, we had to get four seasons in 29 days. Wow. So we could not miss that window and the producers were basically like, we don't have a choice to wait to see if we get a response. So Robin, I think you're gonna have to just be in it. And I literally said, well, I'm gonna be there anyway. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about directing yourself because obviously there are a lot of scenes, it's just you. It's just you, no dialogue in your head, in your physical a lot suffering. Um, how do you, I guess, do you stop yourself and start talking to yourself? Like, how do you? Yes, when do you're it? bad, you stop yourself and you say, bad, bad, <laughs> no, do it right. And then, you know, you also have the help of your, I had an incredible team of three female producers that were in the bit tent. Uh, watching playback all the time. So they mm. were my co They'd be like, that was terrible. Do it again. Thank God I had them because you you can't do it on your own. Right. You do always have that that intrinsic knowingness when you nail the take or it's mm -hmm. good enough because you know you're going to be able to cut to that angle. But having that backup and those other eyes on your performance was very beneficial. So what's your next film you're going to direct? <gasps> Film, I don't know, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna go sh direct a couple of episodes of Ozark in a couple of months, and I cannot wait. I love that show. Wow, that's a good one. That's a dark one. It's that a goodie. It's really 
I'm used to that after House of Cards. You know what I mean? This is that, not very true. For... Yes. But last <laughs> season of Ozark, I was just like. Right. So when do you start figuring out what the next film is going to be, though? <gasps> Starting to read stuff now. Um, I, I, it'd be nice to do a comedy. <laughs> I think maybe laughing for all of the people, for the viewers. We want more laughing. We need to laugh some more. Right. It's been no, a tough year. No, no mountaintop rom-com. Put them in the city. Real easy. Don't have to worry about the generator. Nope. We're plugging in. Plugging how in are the you, wall. How are you feeling about now that, you know, obviously there's a pandemic, but there's a certain person who's no longer in the White House. And you talked about how, like, we were in this world of just being mean and mean. Are you hopeful? Uh, I am nothing but hopeful because we have to be, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we have to be. And I, I, I do think um, things are going to get better without question. That, that, was, um, that was a long four years. And now my, my fun question for you, what's the craziest or most memorable audition you ever had? I can't even share that. Yes, you can. It's yeah, you so, can. no way. It's yes. so it's so bad. That no. is so mean to do to me right no now. No way. No that way. Is so mean. I would be throwing people under the bus, and I'm not going to do that. It was just. Don't name names. I can't even. I can't even <laughs> minimize it for you. <laughs> just in a in a in a nutshell, it's like. Um, when you go in and you think, okay, well, I don't have to do all the stage direction, right? right. I'm just going to read the dialogue. And this other craftsman, thespian, doing the scene with, decided to do all of the stage direction. And um, it was, it was, let's just put the word out there. It was kind of uh, physically abusive. <laughs> And I was so young, I was like, I didn't think we had to do that part of the scene for the audition. Like, if you get the movie, then that's when the right. people come in and do that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I guess we, we were doing it for real. So I got a real taste of method acting, if you know what I mean. Did you get, did you get the part? <laughs> no, and on top of that, I didn't get the part. <laughs> Robin, thank you for this. It's always good seeing you. Congratulations. Like I said, it's such a beautiful film just it's very Thank meditative so and like you said it's therapeutic you were making it it's almost therapeutic watching it too i really do believe that oh bless you thank you so much for watching and have fun on ozark i will good <laughs> talking to you mark same here Bye. thanks that was robin wright i'm going to take a short break but when i return i'm talking to wright's co-star damian bashir Welcome back to Just for Variety. In Land, Damien Bashir plays Miguel, a mysterious stranger who comes to the aid of a woman played by Robin Wright, while she's living in a remote cabin on the side of a mountain. Bashir was also recently seen in George Clooney's The Midnight Sky. Coming up next for the Oscar-nominated actor is Godzilla vs. Kong. Here's Damien Bashir. So let's talk about Land. It's a beautiful movie, just so moving. Um, the performances from you and Robin are just so uh, 
so emotional and there's not even that much dialogue. It's just you guys really just um, just say it all in your faces. And Robin told me, I talked to her last week, and she said that you walked in and you said, I need to play Miguel. I'm going to play Miguel. Why is that? Why were you so um, passionate? Well, thank you for, for, for your words, you know, because I, I, I agree. I, the process of entering a film has like many faces. Uh, the first, the very first one is when you read the uh, material, right? And uh, so I always think of me as a reader first. So if it captures me, if it traps me, you know, the story, regardless of whatever character they're, you know, they're offering me, I have to be trapped by the story. And then if I'm lucky, I will find a juicy, beautiful character. And the most important part of this is the human experience. Who is making this film? You know, why are we making this film? Mm. And uh, when I heard that, I, that, you know, that this came from uh, Robin, I was already excited just to meet her. I was already happy just to have that chance, you know, to sit down and and uh, and talk to this lady, whom you know I've admired for so many years, and um, and and I remember when when I read the script, it was so powerful, and it was just it's just you know it talked to me right away. Um, and I, I felt the need to do it because of the times we live in, not only as, as a society in the United States, but as, as, as humans in the planet, you know, in the same boat. Um, I, I felt that uh, that's exactly where we're lacking of, you know, mm. uh, generosity and empathy, empathy, generosity, uh, caring for each other, and uh, and this is a film about resilience, and that's who we are. We as human beings are resilient, and I I I am. You know, I come from a really really strong group of uh, resilient human beings. Mm. You see, every time we talk about this journey of leaving your home and leaving everything behind, you know, your culture, your language, your food, your friends, everything, life as you know it. Just think about this, you move into a different planet. You just go into a spaceship, boom, go out there. And it's <laughs> a very risky type of uh, trip, right? It's a very right. risky journey. And, and I, I compare that to going out there into space because it has the same risks involved and many people, many of our, you know, my fellow country, women and men from Latin America, not only Mexico, uh, they take that risk and they risk their lives and many of them don't make it. So it is that heavy. It is that serious. And we are resilient. You know, we overcome any type of obstacles with only one thing in mind, you know, achieving our dreams and uh, getting a better life for our families, you know, and uh, for humanity. Because I always thought that uh, whatever you do, whatever great things happen to you, 
if they're not good for more more people, more human beings, then it's not really good. Mm. Whatever you do, that is great. Whatever you know, gift you get from life, if you can extend that to other people, that that's when it really matters. You know, that's when it really really resonates. And that's what happened to me. You know, when I read this script, it resonated right away to me. You know, it was. I, I just I just felt that I needed to do this film. And yes, that's that's what I told Robin. As soon as she opened the door, you know, she smiled without smiling. It's like, hello, one second, let me get my sunglasses, man. Wow, so so much light coming from this human, you know. And uh, and it was an instant connection. Um many casting directors and directors and producers, they don't know that when you go to a meeting you're also seeing, you know, they're, they're of course, you know, they want to they make sure that you're right for the part, but you want to make sure also that uh, that's going to be a great connection, you know, that, right. that, that we're, whatever we're going to create, it's going to be a fantastic journey. And that's, that's, that's what it was, you know, and I was going through a very, very heavy personal journey myself. And, uh, and, and, and this is very, very strange how, you know, your fellow peers, in this case, Robin, without even knowing, you know, each other, she puts Miguel in my hands and it becomes a fantastic opportunity for me as an actor to explore different things that I haven't tried before. But at the same time, it helped me on my own personal journey. And, uh, and it was, it was through facing what Miguel goes through that helped me uh, in the process of healing. And, uh, and just being up there in those beautiful mountains, you know, <laughs> oh my God. You know, nature has that power. It has, you know, healing properties. Whether you stand in front of a beautiful ocean or just, you know, on, a, on an empty beach or go up in the mountains or, you know, stare up, just just look at the sky, you know, look at the stars. It heals you <laughs> right away, you know. So yeah, sorry for the long uh, explanation of oh, why. No, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. No, that's, listen, it's better than you just saying like, because I wanted to work with her. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Because look, when you say that the characters speak very little and, uh, and Miguel is very extremely frugal, you know, in words and actions and emotions and all that. So that alone was a challenge, as you can see. <laughs> you know, keep it calm and keep it quiet and keep it keep it cool. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, Robin and I laugh all the time about that. You know, because this is a real creation of a character. You know what I mean? <laughs> Keeping these guys still. <laughs> you you say that Miguel helped you get through your you know some of some personal stuff. How, how, how does, how does a character, is it the acting that helps? Is it the actual character? What is it that helps the healing process in terms of you committing to your art, but also bringing your personal life into it? Does that make sense? That's, it, it makes all the sense, man. It's a wonderful question because uh, I often wonder when that happens, you know, in what part of the process that happens, we experience that because preparing for a role, you know, trying to learn everything you need to know about your character and building a character 
it's one of the lonely, loneliest uh, process mm -hmm. in any artistic, you know, manifestation in any work of art. Um, I think it's similar to writers and painters. It's a very, very lonely moment. All this process where you are alone with, you know, the paper and trying to figure out, figure out who this man is and, uh, you know, what his motives are and uh, how he walks, how he looks like, how he feels, why, you know, he says what he says and, uh, and does what he does and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I always think, I always believe that uh, I'm a better actor every time I finish shooting a film. After going through the whole process, I feel like I'm a better human being. I feel like I'm a better actor. I feel like I know more, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I, I, this is the first time that, you know, through your question, I'm wondering when that happens, how you actually learn and how you get healed. Um, I think it's, I think it's a combination of factors, you know, it, it, it starts when, you know, with, with, the, with the connection with your director, because whatever you see on the screen is an agreement between your director and whatever you bring to the table. And, uh, and Miguel has many similarities with my own personal journey. We, as humans will experience a loss of a lot loved one at some point in our lives, you know, that's something that it will happen. Yes. Or yes. That's the only thing that it's, you know, a fact that it's sure. And it will happen. Uh, so Miguel goes through that the same way I was, I was going through the same uh, uh, sorrow and grief and, uh, and I think that healing process began there, you know, when I was trying to find that connection with Miguel and what we had in common. And then of course, as soon as we arrived in Calgary and went up the, that beautiful mountain in uh, Alberta in Canada, I remember the effect that had in me, you know, the first time we drove up, when we drove up, you know, it, it's like a one and a half hours journey all the way from, you know, downtown Calgary, all the way to the top of the mountain where we were. I remember feeling like a, like a gentle touch in my back. You know, like everything's gonna be fine. I remember staring at that view, staring at that, you know, at those mountains in front of us. And I remember feeling that. So I guess that's when it hit. And then after, you know, the whole process, because every day was the same beauty I and mean, the same experience, you know, I would, I would drive all the way up one and a half hours every morning at dark. And, um, and that's when my, that's when the whole thing will begin. It didn't begin when they say action. On the fun side, how many animals did you have run-ins with? <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, that, that, that is something that's really, really cool that uh, ever since I lived in Los Angeles, I always encounter, you know, all the way, all kinds of creatures, you know, from dinosaurs to, 
from uh, <laughs> raccoons, uh, uh, um, uh, deers, of course, and like coyotes, uh, yeah. all kinds of squirrels, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rats. You know, very uh, friendly rats. Not like not 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 like the rats in you know big cities like Mexico City right. or New York. Those guys, they have knives, my friend. I've seen yeah, rats. those are those are not friendly. I've seen rats with guns in the subway. But anyway, <laughs> uh, these guys are you know friendly and they they they're so cute. And uh, and, he, and 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 I have this very tall pine outside. You know, it's one. Uh, it's it's my neighbor's pine, and all the way in the top. Uh, there's always a falcon, and sometimes there are two. And then uh, uh, one morning, an eagle crashed against the window, and she survived, of course, but that, all kinds of creatures. But anyway, you know, back in those mountains, we saw bears, we saw, of course, squirrels and uh, hares, you know, rabbits and uh, all kinds of uh, things. But, uh, but watching a bear in the wild, <laughs> that to me was the highlight of uh, that experience, because uh, although you know, you keep a, you know, safe uh, distance and there's a bear wrangler, bear whisperer with us. And, uh, but it's such a powerful thing because the, the bear looks at you. And when you lock eyes with a wild animal, it's, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> Speaking of big animals, Godzilla versus Kong? <laughs> you know, one of the beauty of, uh, one of the beauties of our work is that we get to go into all kinds of different directions, you know what I mean? And I love mm -hmm. experimenting or exploring, you know, new genres and new, um, you know, types of uh, films. And uh, of course, you know, different budgets. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, but it's just fascinating the way, you know, the things they can do nowadays, because I, I'm, you know, I grew up watching those films, but I remember, you know, when, Kong moved like in a, <laughs> a very weird way. But what you see now is, is just, oh my goodness, technically superb. This is, oh my goodness. This is so I saw the film. It's, 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 it's just, you know, colossal. This is wonderful. This is really, it's a, a beautiful thing to watch. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun, you know, uh, and everybody, all, all of the uh, you know, actors, my producers and my director, they, they were all really, really cool. And uh, we had so much fun doing that film. But you see, we, we made those films like uh, way back and now they're all right. coming, coming out, you know, at the same time. So it seems like I, I should have filmed every weekend, right? <laughs> it, only, it only seems that way, but no, 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 it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> How do you think uh, under the new administration, um, the U.S.'s relationship with Mexico will change? The, the relationship, relationship with the world will change, you know, with everybody and everything. Um, it was just incredible the, uh, the, the, the level of stupidity that we reached over the last mm -hmm. four years, you know, in, in every sense, you know, and, 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 and look, my deepest respects for, for millions of Americans who voted for that guy because they were lied to all the way. And, 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 and those people are a key part of this country too. You know what I mean? So the, the, I think the biggest challenge now is unite this country as well as in Mexico. We're working, you know, on that as we speak, because in Mexico has been, Mexico has been divided also throughout the, the last decades. 
and uh, we're trying to put the pieces together and it's it's a difficult task you know what I mean so hopefully the relationship between Mexico and, and the U.S. will be way better and easier more humane uh, I think decency is a good start but there's so many things to do you know there's so many things pending there's a, a, an urgency for an immigration reform a comprehensive immigration reform you know we, we need a, a new amnesty it's urgent you know this is a it's urgent to, to have it. The last one was from the Ronald Reagan's uh, days back in 85. I'm the result of that amnesty. When I, when I arrived in New York, it was that long. And uh, so we need to take those kids out of those cages. You know, that's, that's one of the first things they, they have to do. I, I hope they're working on that because it's just so shameful, you know, and many other things, many, many other things. There's a long list of things that we have to take care of. Um, in terms of equality and uh, stop racism and stop nonsense. How hard was it to hear, you know, for the last five, four, six years, that racist rhetoric? Or has, is there a chance you become, I doubt you become numb to it, but it almost became like it was just happening all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's too much, you know, it's just, enough is enough. And uh, you'd be surprised how that, that happens everywhere in the world. You know, I'm a big soccer fan. Uh, I love football from around the world. So I follow many different leagues, they, you know, from Germany all the way to Spain, the United Kingdom and uh, the Premier League, they call it, and uh, La Liga in España. And, uh, and there's a strong, strong, strong movement against racism. You know, it's, 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 a, it's an illness that is everywhere, you know, and, uh, but, the levels that we reach in this country in terms of racism, it's just too much. You know what I mean? That, that needs to stop now. It's been 400 years. That's, that's too much. That's, that's enough. And if you don't get insulted because you're not black, then you're not human. You know what I mean? So I, I, I take it very personally when that happens. When, when that happens to you know, uh, the African-American community or what they do to our kids and they put them in, in, in cages, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying that uh, there's so many things pending that need to be solved. But that, that, that you know, the racism is, is just uh, it's shameful. To me, there's only one race, you know, the human race. And when we understand that, we will be able to go to the next level you know, to, to become real humans, you know, that's, that's exactly the difference between us and hyenas. <laughs> that was Damien Bashir. Now let's go into the pages of Variety's new Our Town section, where the magazine once again is running engagement announcements. On the top of the list this week, Paris Hilton. The hotel heiress and former reality star got engaged just before Valentine's Day to boyfriend, venture capitalist Carter Room. Hilton posted a video of her and her husband-to-be on Instagram with a caption reading in part, when you find your soulmate, you don't just know it, you feel it. Congrats to the lovebirds. For more engagement, wedding, and baby news, check out Our Town in this week's Variety. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Just for Variety. I'll be back soon, but until then, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. Also, let me know what you think of the podcast, what you've read in my column, and what you'd like more of. Until next time, stay safe and be well. And please, keep wearing those masks. Mm-hmm.